Well, welcome to Madison Church to our online audience. If you're watching, my name is Stephen Feith, lead pastor, and I'm glad that you are all here with us uh, today. And if you're watching or listening online at a later date, we do hope that you'll come and join us in person soon. Has anyone here ever looked back at a picture from your childhood and wondered how in the world did my parents let me leave the house looking like that? One person. Wow. The rest of you, you don't wonder. Come on. I know you do, right? How many of you think you looked awesome? How about that? Okay. We got a couple of people like, I looked awesome. I know I did. Um, I grew up in the era of bull cuts. Has there ever been a more atrocious haircut known to men and unfortunately women? Some of you women, you know, your parents did that bull cut to you. You're like, why would you do this? I'm one of the brothers on home improvement. No, like you don't want to look like that. <laughs> How did they, they become like the idols for in the 90s? You know, I look back at some of my old school pictures and they are indeed very, very cringy. So I'm not going to show you any of mine today. Okay, so you don't, I'm sorry if that's what you were looking forward to. It's not going to happen. You have to use your imaginations or stalk my parents on Facebook and um, but instead, I looked up a few really, really cool photos from uh, awkwardfamilyphotos.com. You familiar with the website, Awkward Family Photos? I got, I, I went a deep dive and wasted countless time with that. Okay, picture one. Here we go. I mean, man, the necklace, the outfit, everything is going well, except that when they cut her hair, they put a bowl on her head, like for cereal, and they just cut around it, right? Poor, poor kid. Picture two. Does anyone have glasses like that? None of you are wearing glasses like that today. No? Nobody? Okay. Yeah, look. What, and this one. This, no, this is great. Go to the next one. This is good. Um, he's fine. Like he's, The shirt, though. You guys read that? Can't sleep. Clowns will eat me. It's a what? It's a Simpsons. Well, this is good. See, as someone who didn't watch Simpsons, I was just... This is weird. <laughs> Why? I mean, he, like I said, he's fine. This is the shirt that really caught me off guard. Now, I'm grateful that those people have posted those pictures on a website for all of us to get together today and laugh at, right? They did it. They consented to it. Uh, it's fine. We can do that. We can laugh at it. Um, and again, I'm really grateful because I don't have to show you any of mine. But as I scrolled through these old family photos, I did wonder why did no one stop them from going out of the house? Why did why, stop? You can't dress like that. We got to get you a real haircut. Um, it's possible somebody did. I think a lot of times I went out looking like a fool. My parents tried to warn me, but I knew better because they were old and I was young. And I look back in hindsight and I said, why didn't I just listen to them? We all have weird school pictures. I know you do. Um, if you didn't think you did, Judd, I'm telling you the truth. You do. You do. Okay, I'm just being honest with you. I've never seen them, but I know it's true. And uh, this is why our current series, Circles, is so important so that you'll never take another bad picture. No, that's not why we're doing this series. But there is something that is connected with how we have started today. Circles, this series, is all about the importance of Christian community and Christian relationships with the brothers and sisters of the faith. We all need friends who will tell us the truth in love. We need friends who will prevent us from going out in public when we have a bowl haircut, like what we just saw. And more importantly, what we're going to talk about today, we need friends who are going to prevent us from being lonely and isolated. We need friends who are going to stop us or try to stop us from having harmful blind spots in our lives. And we need friends so that we don't fail alone. Failure is going to happen. We all experience failure. But within the Christian community, we do not have to fail alone. 
We're in the second week of this study where all jokes aside, now I will be serious from here on out, I hope. Uh, we are talking about the importance of pushing back on the tendency within our faith to do faith by ourselves. There is a tendency to do faith by ourselves. And, and we spiritualize it by saying that faith, what's most important about my faith is my relationship with Jesus. It's about my relationship with Jesus, which is almost always talked about in the context of why somebody is explaining or justifying why they're not involved with Christian community or why they don't have Christian relationships. So, well, it's about mine. It's, I, I don't need everyone else. But as we're seeing throughout this series, it's just not biblical. It's just not what the first disciples did, or the first followers of Jesus did. It's not even what Jesus himself did. If you're a follower of Jesus today, part of what you signed up for was not just a relationship with God, but a relationship with other people. That's part of what we signed up for. Now, I know these talks last week, this week, the next two weeks, I know they're going to be challenging to us. But my prayer is that they motivate us to take a step beyond Sunday morning. I pray that they motivate us and challenge us to take a step beyond our Sunday morning relationships. This one hour together, it's great. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second. But I pray that after the series, what do I hope happens? I hope that you guys are getting together for one-on-ones, coffees, drinks. I hope you guys are inviting each other over for dinner. I hope that you're getting involved in a small group or on a team here at Madison Church. I hope that whatever happens, one step, any of those steps, moves you just one step beyond one hour a week, faith. It's mission critical. Mission at Madison Church is to connect people with God and each other, and one hour a week isn't going to get it done. So we need these between Sunday moments. And that's what we're alluding to this entire time. When we're talking about circles, I want you to think of the difference between rows, like what we're sitting in now, and circles in which we sit in a circle and we all face each other, whether that's around a table, around a coffee, at a bar, at a small group, at someone's house, when we're facing each other and having those conversations. Now, last week, Sarah said something over and over again that I want to correct. Now, this is, the, this is awesome. And Sarah, if you're watching or listening, I do. I want to correct you. Um, Sarah said circles are better than rows. That's what I want to correct. I think they're just as important as rows. Okay, and she told you that last week. She said, Stephen's going to disagree with me. Stephen likes rows. I do like rows. I think that what happens here on Sunday mornings and what we have seen the last eight years has been remarkable. We get together. And in a crazy and chaotic world in which the news is screaming at you and social media is screaming at you, to be able to come in here and relax, sit on some nice soft blue chairs, sing songs, meditate, take a breath, talk about Jesus, God, examine our lives, have communion with one another. Afterwards, we usually, a lot of times we have something to eat afterwards as we're hanging out. I love Rose. I love what happens in the Sunday morning. And if I were to take a poll of all the followers of Jesus in the room, I bet, I would bet that most of you would say that you first encountered Jesus in a space like this. Now, whether or not there were problems, again, most of you, not all of you, but I bet, and it's not to say that this space is perfect because it's absolutely not perfect, but I'm saying I love this space. And as critical as this space is for me and for us, small groups, Circles, one-on-ones, getting together at each other's house on Friday night just to hang out and play games or whatever, it's just as important. That's the part I want you to hear. It's just as important as getting together and doing communion together. So why don't we do it more often? Why don't we do it more often? Well, I think that there are obstacles. There are obstacles to this, obstacles that I hear as the pastor when I'm asking people if they want to get involved in a group. And uh, I, I think I came up with the three biggest obstacles Um, people give me. Uh, The first one is fear. What if I sign up for like a small group? What if I go out to dinner with this person who asked me to go out to dinner and they're a weirdo? 
right? Isn't that a fear? Like, what if, they're, what if they find out I'm a weirdo? <laughs> like, what if it's the other way around? What if I go out with them and they find out I'm a weirdo? It can be scary to let people see us. It can be scary to move beyond this in which you know you're going to come here on a Sunday morning, you're going to sit here, the band's going to play, someone's going to talk, and then we're going to dismiss and you're free. It can be scary to go from here to going out on a Friday night. And you're like, well, I'm going to have to talk. I'm going to have to open myself up. I'm going to have to be vulnerable. Yeah, I get that. It is, it is going to be difficult. Some people will say it's tiredness, and it does. It takes energy to engage in relationships. Sometimes I don't feel like it. I know you don't always feel like it, but for us to meaningfully engage with each other, it does take some energy. It does take some effort. Uh, the one I think I get the most is, is busyness, and I totally relate to this one. Busyness, my, my calendar's jam-packed with things. Your calendar's jam-packed with things. We're all uh, busy people. It's my least favorite thing to say when, when people ask me, what, you know, can you meet? And I got to say no. And I don't want to say, well, I'm just busy this week. I hate that, but it happens. But that's why, uh, for example, like I have times for meetings in my calendar, like built out for one-on-ones, for having people over, for going over to people's houses. I have times built in my small group. Like on, for example, on Wednesday nights, I just have it forever booked in my calendar. It is indefinite from six to nine on Wednesday nights for eternity. I don't know how far Google calendar goes, Dan, forever. Right. So forever from six to nine on Wednesday nights, I already have it saved because I know that these are important. It's important. Christian community is important. It's not just going to happen itself, but I get that busyness occurs. And with all of these obstacles facing us, it just really pushes a lot of us to do our faith by ourselves, like a one-player game on our phone. And again, that's not how it's supposed to be. And as such, we're missing out. You were made for community. You were made for relationships. We need them. We need them. And this isn't something new. When we look back at the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus spent time with people. I mean, if there was anybody who could have gotten away with being lonely and isolated and not cared, it would have been Jesus. But we see Jesus all the time, sitting down, meeting with people, meeting with new people, getting to know them, asking about their story, asking follow-up questions. He had friends. We even see John refer to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved, which insinuates that out of all of the disciples, John was his favorite, right? That's the insinuation by saying something that I'm the disciple that Jesus loved, which tells us that Jesus probably had a best friend and his name was John. So Jesus had circles of relationships with people, including a close one. As you think about your best friend, think about that. Jesus knows what that's like to have a very close friend. And we see that this wasn't just something that died when Jesus died. As Jesus is resurrected and he passes the command to the disciples, we read in Acts 2.42, what is the early church doing after Jesus has ascended into heaven? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, that is communion, and to prayer. What did they do after Jesus ascended? They gathered together. They invested in relationships. They were involved in community and not just once a week. They're gathering. They're spiritual family, not just real brothers and sisters, not just real mom and dads. But their spiritual family, their spiritual brothers and sisters, their spiritual children, their spiritual mom and dad, that was critical to their identity. Faith was something that was between Sundays for them, and it was critical to the mission that they found themselves on. Jesus didn't just say, get together and have a good time, but he said, go into all of the world and proclaim this. This is an open invitation to anyone who is listening that they too can be part of your spiritual family. They too can be part of your spiritual community. And as such, that's the way that they lived. But it wasn't just the followers of Jesus, and it wasn't just Jesus. We see that even in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, there's a push toward community. Again, going back to this idea that you were created for community. 
And if you want to follow along with me today, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. So if you have house Bibles around you, the words will be on the screen. If you have a Bible app, you can use that as well. But a man named Solomon who wrote several Old Testament texts will confirm that we need other people. It's not just a good idea, but it's a God idea. Solomon became the king of Israel after his father, King David, dies. So if you guys are familiar with King David, David and Goliath, he has a son, his name's Solomon. Solomon becomes the king. And as he was starting his reign, God gave Solomon the, the opportunity to ask for any one thing you wanted. Solomon, what's one thing you want as you step into this new role? And if you think about it, this, this would have been really helpful. You're stepping in to be a king for the first time in your life. Your dad, up until this point, King David, was kind of like the OG. I mean, he was like the best king Israel had ever had. And you're walking into this this guy's footsteps, and God comes up to him and says, what's one thing? And then I started to think, well, what if God asked me? Stephen, you get to be the president of the United States now. You get to be the king of the world. What's one thing you would ask for? And I thought, well, what about like peace? Like world peace? Freedom from enemies, right? I mean, that's kind of like... That's one. That's a big one. You could ask for that. What about unity? One centralized power, one government. We're just going to all get along together. Unlimited resources. We're going to solve world hunger. There's not going to be any poverty anymore, just unlimited resources. Solomon doesn't ask for any of that. He doesn't ask for wealth. He doesn't ask for unity. He doesn't ask for peace. Instead, and interestingly enough, the one thing Solomon asks, you get three, three wishes, right? It's almost like he's approaching the genie and he says, God, would you give me wisdom. Out of everything he could have asked for, Solomon asked for wisdom. And God is so pleased by this that he grants Solomon's, Solomon's request to him. And he's known biblically and, and, and outside of some biblical sources as some, one of the wisest people to have ever lived. And we know from that time point, if you're studying history, that people came from all over the world to talk to Solomon. They would ask him questions. He was like this world uh, Consult. I mean, that's what he did is consultor. Consultant? Consultant is the word I've been fishing for. He was a consultant of other world leaders. And the good news for us is that uh, even though Solomon's been dead for thousands of years, uh, we still have his writings, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. So he wrote down a ton of the wisdom that he had. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, Solomon talks about the importance of living in circles and having relationships. He says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Now, this image, this imagery is really powerful in Wisconsin, right? You walk out of the grocery store, it's been snowing, ice, slick, you're walking to your car and you lose your footing and what happens? You fall. Well, we don't just, we don't just fall straight down. Like my daughter, Quinn, who's one, when she falls, it just boop, right down on her bottom. When we fall, it's so much more dramatic as adults. And most of the time, it's an arm swing, right? That's what makes it like, so we're grabbing for something, grabbing for someone. I don't want to fall. So what Solomon's saying is like, when you do life alone, it's kind of like that. So when you do fall, you're going to swing your arm out and there's not going to be anyone there to grab a hold of. Now, in my case, you know, if Megan slips, we're, we're both going down. We're just going to, because I'm not coordinated enough to be, you know, just pulled, up, pulled down with her. But um, naturally, we reach out for something. But Solomon has something more serious than just slipping at the grocery store. It could be a financial fall. A crisis hits someone. They're getting evicted. The car's getting repoed. They have no one to help them financially. It could be a relational fall. Someone's marriage was in trouble. Tensions are high with their, with their boss. 
had no one to turn to for help. They had no one to talk these things through with. And maybe it was a physical fall, not the kind that I just talked about, but someone's health crumbled. They got that bad diagnosis, the diagnosis that none of us want. Sickness hit them. They had no one to comfort them. They had no one to share this news with. I mean, these are the hard things that Solomon is talking about, that the reasons that you don't want to do life alone, the reasons that you want a spiritual community around you is because life hits hard and it hits fast. And in my role, I, I see this more often than a lot of people want to. I see a lot of people who spend a lot of time building their individual lives. And I'm not talking about necessarily you guys, okay? But like as a pastor and having pastor friends and we're talking about the people in our congregations and the things that they're going through, we see people who work really hard to build their careers, to build their lives, to get their families uh, to where they want them to go. They work hard to get ahead. And then at some point you get exhausted. At some point you get tired, you get burned out. You were living an unsustainable life to begin with, but then you hit the wall. And then you give in to some sort of temptation and eventually that temptation, you continue to spiral till you're all alone. And then you fall. Maybe it is the relationship, it is finances, it's the career. Something happens, but it falls. And then there's no one to reach out and grab to because you've been alone. Well, in circles, you have people who are there for you when you fall. You have other people who know you, they know your story. And when something happens, they don't need to be told where you live. They don't need to be told who your kids' names are. Hey, what's your kid's name again? I can't remember. It's not like that. So let me ask you, who would you call at 3 a.m. if you were in trouble? Who would you call at 3 a.m. if you were to fall? And according to the American Sociological Review, the answer for many of us is no one. One in four people say they don't have anyone that they can talk to. One in four, 25%, we look around the room. One in four of you say, I don't have anyone. Another 20% said they had one. Just one, which means half the room here, if we're if generically taking these stats, it means half the room, you either got one person or no persons. And that just shouldn't be. That's not how you were made to live. That's not how God wants you to live. That's why we're doing this series, because I, I want you, I want all of us at this church to get through and say, yeah, that's the world. That's the American sociological. When they ask random people their relationships, it's zero or it's one. But at Madison Church, 100% of people say they have more than one person that they can turn to. Well, that's different. That's a good different. That's the kind of different that the gospel should speak and make into our lives. A reason that circles are for everyone is because not only can circles help us when we fall, okay, I'll do you one better. Circles can help prevent us from falling. Circles can help prevent us from falling altogether. Solomon continues in verse 11. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Solomon is saying in layman's terms, terms on your own, you're not going to do super well on your own, but if you are in a circle, you can prevent a lot of bad stuff from happening. Don't want to be cold? Have a friend. You guys can keep warm together. Don't want to get beaten up? Have a friend. Maybe you guys can fend them off. Hey, you know what's better than having one friend? Having two friends is what Solomon is unpacking here. A circle can keep us from being overpowered and broken down. Having a circle is someone who has your back, who answers the 3 a.m. phone call when you call, a person who stands with you and a person who will look out for you, who will send the text, hey, I haven't heard from you in a few days. Are you doing okay? Or somebody, and I've been known to do this a time or two, but if, I don't, if you don't respond to my text messages, I do have your address in a lot of cases. And I do just kind of Hey, man, I haven't heard from you. And they're always like dead inside when they see me at the door. 
And then after like three hours of crying and hugging it out, they're like, thanks for stopping. That's, that's always how it's gone, um, which is, you know, hopefully how it always will go. <laughs> Circles can prevent us from falling because they can, they can show us what the blind spots are. Blind spots are scary. You guys know the analogy I'm talking about here. Like when you're driving your car and you go to switch lanes and you're going over and then all of a sudden a car zooms by you and you jerk over real fast. And you didn't see them because they were in your blind spot and you almost hit them. Um, anyone like freak out when you're passing a semi on the highway, you like you kind of just gas it a little bit. You're like, just in case they don't see me. It's not smart. I like that. We just drove to Florida over Christmas break and uh, I was watching a lot of people do that where they were like trying to get over and somebody else was speeding up alongside them and i'm like oh watch it watch it watch it watch it watch it i mean i'm I'm slowing down i'm like i'm like 100 yards behind them but i'm slowing down just in case this thing gets out of hand and that's what circles do for us circles are like being in the car with the person behind you okay you may not see it coming you got the signal on you're going over and the car behind you is like oh no 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 stop hit the brake don't get over having a good circle a small group a friend it's like being in the car with them. And they're yelling, don't do it. And you're like, oh, okay, I won't do it. But I can't see. I'm going to trust that you have my back. That's what being in a circle is like. You've seen stuff coming in other people's relationships long before they did. I know you did. You're human. You've, you've seen it. You've, a couple people in a, in a relationship and you saw something and um, maybe you said something, maybe you didn't. You've seen some, something coming in someone's jobs long before they did. You saw something in someone's kids before they did. As parents, we can be... I, I believe intentionally naive sometimes, and uh, someone else can see something. Hey, you've seen it coming in other people's lives, and here's the thing. Other people have seen it coming in your life. But do we have a situation? Do we have a relationship and trust with people in which they can speak into our lives? Because we don't want a stranger to do that, right? You don't want to be walking through Walmart and have somebody yelling at you, calling you out. We don't want that. that that's abrasive. But what if you were in a community, and that's what this is about, what if you were in a community with people you knew loved you and you trusted them and they said, hey, you know I love you and, and whether or not you listen to me, whatever, but I see this and it has me concerned. Well, that's, that could prevent you from falling, right? Hey, I, I, I see you working 100 hours a week. I'm just I'm a little concerned there for you. You know, somebody who notices, they can prevent us and they can show us blind spots. But as I mentioned earlier, it's not just blind spots, but circles can prevent isolation. There will be a time in your life in which crisis does hit. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news this morning, but just being real with you, it's going to happen. If you've lived long enough, you've lived long enough to see it happen a couple times. Okay? And if you haven't lived long enough to see it happen once, it's going to happen. Okay? It will. Crisis was going to happen. And when those things happen, we tend to isolate unless we have somebody who kind of forces their way into our lives in a healthy way to help pull us out of those things. And here's why circles are so important for when crisis happens. Pastor Andy Stanley explains it like a retirement account, a circle. Your community is like a retirement account. He says, um, if you wait, it won't be there when you want it. If you don't do anything, if you don't invest in it, when you do want it, when you do need it, it won't be there. But if you invest now, if you invest now and you make it a priority, you can draw on that retirement account when you need it. And we are all going to need it. Don't think that you won't need it. As a matter of fact, I've been known to say this, and I'll say it today because it has been a while since I said it. When you feel like you need a circle least is when you need a circle the most. When you don't feel like going out for coffee the most, or yeah, when you don't feel like it, that's when you need it the most. When you don't want to go to small group, that's when you need it the most. When you don't want to be here on Sunday morning, 
I'm going to argue that that's probably when you need it the most. On those Sundays where you're like, yes, I'm ready and let's go. I mean, that's good. Yeah, be here. But I would challenge you and say that those days where you don't feel like it, that's when you need people. That's when you need God the most. Now, a disclaimer. Please don't sign up for a Madison Church small group just so you can call people out. Okay, don't do that. (laughs) Um, I just want to make sure that's clear. Sign up for a group for community, for relationships, to be known and to know other people, to grow, to love, to trust. That's the reason to sign up. And as you pursue those things, an opportunity will come for you to help another person point out the blind spots. You're on journey with them already. I just wanted to throw that out. I'm not telling you sign up so you can go be a big bully to everyone in our small groups. Don't do that. Don't do that. Last week, Sarah challenged you to sign up for a small group. And so if you haven't done that yet, go ahead and do that. You can check either the back of that green card or on our website, madisonchurch.com. Scroll halfway down to the left. You can find a group. You can sign up all electronically. It's great. Now, if you already have signed up, okay, my next challenge to you, a little common sense, but that's my challenge this week. Show up. You signed up. Now you got to show up. (laughs) Show up. Think back to those obstacles. Fear. What if they find out I'm a weirdo? Truth is, we're all weirdos. I mean, if you don't think that we're all weirdos, I can confirm to you I know all of these people. They are all weirdos. If you're not a weirdo, you're in the wrong place, okay? We're all a little weird, but you'll find love and care despite your weirdness. Tired. Well, tiredness isn't just going to keep you from going to group once a week for a couple of months. Tiredness and fatigue, I promise you, is affecting your relationships either as a spouse, as a coworker, as a parent, et cetera. It's affecting your job performance. Tiredness isn't just keeping you out one hour a week. Tiredness is affecting the rest of your life. And so it's better that you get in front of that now. And a small group can help. Busyness. And as I mentioned, I'm already prone to this one, which is why it's in my calendar forever and ever. And I would encourage you to do something similar. People who make being in a circle of priority understand biblical wisdom. They understand how God has wired them. They understand how they can live their best life, and it is in community. And as we close today, I want you to think about your own story. Think about the family that you grew up in, your mom, your dad, brothers, sisters. Okay, what might have been different in your life if your mom and dad were in a group when you were a child? How might their relationship between your parents have been different if they were in a marriage group? Would that not have impacted your faith today? How might your faith be different today had they did that? On the flip side, maybe your parents did. How would your faith be different today if they didn't? That's always the opposite question. Together, we can decide if, we will be, if things will be different when we go forward. We can't change the past, but we can change the present. And we can change the future by the decisions that we make. And so sign up for a circle, show up for a circle. And if you can't sign up for a group, Find someone and go out for coffee. Find someone and go out for a drink. Find someone and hang out. Open up your house for a game night or to watch the big game. But don't do life alone. Let's make that choice. Let's pray.